Silver, a show about sports, art, and the creative space they share. My name is Abigail Smithson, and I am an artist as well as a longtime fan of the game of basketball. For today's episode, I spoke with Dana Bassett, a curator and arts administrator based in Chicago. Dana is one of the hosts and producers of the podcast Bad at Sports, a Chicago-based regional contemporary art show. Thank you so much for listening, and please do not forget to subscribe. So I'm wondering if you could describe basically your relationship to the fine arts and then also describe your relationship to, to sports and, and how those may or may not overlap. Um, okay. So I guess I'll start with art because that is a bigger part of my life maybe. Um, so yeah, I... Um, I've always been kind of artistically minded. Um, I went to an art magnet high school kind of by accident and it really helped me kind of channel my interests. Um, but yeah, I was involved in the experimental music scene um, in Miami and in Sarasota, Florida when I was in college and um, like out of undergrad. I went to a really like actually very anti um sports undergrad called the new college of florida um where they're they were like always very proud of the fact that there were no um like intramural sports at our school wow Um, yeah so yeah we only had like an ultimate frisbee team and like an ad hoc kickball tournament annually yeah um but yeah so and that was like a very kind of artistic community, even though it was a liberal arts college, which a lot of people often get confused by. Most of the graduates were not artists, but everyone kind of was really um, kind of like able to express themselves creatively. And I feel like that's where I really like found myself creatively, uh, not really like as an artist, but kind of as like a person who is deeply. <laughs> deeply involved in the arts and in the lives of artists but I don't really like make art um but I did do a lot of writing and that's like the first place where I really started to curate um Mm -hmm. art exhibitions and collaborate with artist friends and stuff like that um and that kind of that pushed me to um pursue a master's degree in arts administration in Chicago and Chicago is just such a big um like such a huge arts community and that really just exploded um like my participation in an arts community and really gave me a lot of different opportunities um kind of alongside of that in terms of my interest in sports and I guess I'll marry them shortly um I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from a relatively small city that is Miami, um, and when I was growing up, I definitely would, um, like, go to games with my family. My uncle, he always had basketball. He always had, like, season tickets for basketball games, yeah. and sometimes he would take me 
Um, my uncle is like, well, my one, my one uncle passed away, unfortunately, but my, his brother, my dad's other brother, he's like deep into his eighties and he still goes to watch basketball games. It's just something that I don't know. My family got really into, um, because they were in the medical profession and they would work, um, you know, with people that worked in the arena. So they kind of ended up getting into sports that way. So I always loved doing that. Um, and even though like I wasn't particularly athletic, I mean, you know, I grew up like going to the Jewish community center. I grew up like doing dance and I did like competitive swimming for a while, which in retrospect is like a very Florida thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always just been more of like a spectator and, uh, in 2012 after I finished grad school um, I did an artist residency called Acre where I actually ended up uh, working for the past five years I recently left Um, but yeah when I was at Acre I kind of started to do more writing and more kind of like creative arts administration and that kind of led into my current I guess primary affiliation which is um i'm the executive producer for bad at sports um which is another podcast yeah Uh, i guess i should be like if you're listening to this podcast you should also maybe listen to my podcast yeah Um, let's tell my mom to definitely subscribe to bad at sports yeah i mean (laughs) definitely mom friendly a lot of mom (laughs) jokes on bad at sports it's such it's Um, a great contemporary art show (laughs) podcast conversation it's really wonderful thanks yeah so i mean bad at sports i did not start it um yeah like i said i started contributing to bad at sports in 2012 um but it was actually founded in 2005 by uh duncan mckenzie who is an artist um who lives in chicago and richard holland um who is many things and then Amanda Browder who is an artist who um, ended up moving to New York and she is a fibers artist she lives in New York now um but bad at sports yeah like you said it's an interview conversational podcast it kind of has like an irreverent tone um and yeah I mean there's a lot of different contributors um, since I've been doing the podcast. It's really kind of, uh, I don't know, like changed a lot. I think it's kind of like something that is really um, like intrinsic to bad at sports is how open of a platform it's been. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, have kind of found myself in this role, but it's also really important for me to kind of use bad at sports as like a mechanism to like keep the platform open for other people and other people who are interested in kind of having the conversation that was started by Duncan and Richard and Amanda. Um, So, yeah. And then of course, like the title is, you know, this big like LOL that I wish that I would have thought of because then I could like, uh, then I could claim it and it would be awesome. Right. (laughs) But, um, But yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's really uh, one of the worst things that happens in my life probably too often is that I have to explain jokes to people 
which is like the least funny thing yeah. that you could possibly do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so if you don't get what bad at sports means, I'm just going to explain it. Not for you, because I know that you understand what it means. Abigail, no, for but, the um, listeners. Just do it for the listeners. Yeah. So if you've never met an artist or seen one in the wild, um, we uh, have, I would say, maybe like an infamous designation of being uncoordinated and unathletic and kind of all around bad at sports. Right. Um, so, you know, it's kind of this dichotomy that I do feel like in some ways maybe is, is kind of like dissipating or something, but yeah, that you're kind of either good at sports or you're an artist and you can't be both. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where the title for the podcast came from. And you know, aside from being like short and catchy and cute, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of our listeners who are, of course, also artists and people like me who are like art enthusiasts, um, really identify with the title of the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of, yeah, that's me. I guess I'm a girl from Florida. I'm like, marginal at sports but I you know I like watching them um and I also run a podcast called bad at sports that makes me sound probably more uncoordinated than I actually am right you're selling yourself short (laughs) (laughs) I yeah I think I was maybe telling you in another conversation that I um I really like to play sports yeah Um, but I yeah but I'm not uh, I'm just very uncompetitive, which is kind of weird because I do think that that's one thing that artists and um and like athletes really have in common is yeah. I think that they're yeah. they're all extremely competitive. So so let <laughs> let's unpack that a little bit if we could because sure. I also. I don't know. I don't think that it's that I'm not competitive. I think that I am very threatened by direct competition. So I just kind of shut down if I feel like someone nearby is trying to do better than me at something. So I'm wondering when you say you're not competitive, if that means that you are bothered by competition or you don't want to compete or or what what is that? And I do think you're right that like both fields are so competitive that that is something that is shared in common I just I feel as though the competition is so different in both of them where no one's trying to take the uh my photograph from my hand while I'm applying to a residency whereas in basketball it's like someone is right there physically trying to keep you from doing what you want to do what you need to do what your teammates want you to do yeah yeah well, so, like I said, I went to this, like, liberal arts college, and I really, I, like, came into myself there, and something that was really helpful for me um, in the kind of, like, transitional moments between, like, being a super awkward teenager to being, like, a just regularly awkward adult um, <laughs> is that I, the, the academic environment that I was a part of in new college, it really kind of um it they really push students to kind of 
beat into this idea of being competitive against yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that to be like really helpful. Um, I like, you know, I came from this like city that is pretty, uh, like, I don't know. I think I love, I love Miami and I love my hometown a lot, but in a lot of ways it's very superficial and there's like a lot of kind of, um, a lot of focus put on surface level things like appearance, Mm -hmm. um, and things that I think just are not really important at the end of the day. And I think that it's like a hard, it can be a hard place to grow up in if you're maybe like a little less into conforming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, I feel like it's maybe hard to understand if you're from outside of Miami, how weirdly real that culture is. But anyway, whatever, that's just a very long way to say um, that, yeah, I mean, I felt like at New College, I really loved the kind of community that I was in there because it wasn't that people weren't interested in virtuosity. It was, I think, that they were really kind of interested in, like, doing their best on their own terms and kind of measuring themselves against themselves rather than, like, against other people. Yeah. Um, and I do, you know, when I got to grad school, um, at SAIC here in Chicago, which is like, you know, a much more kind of like conventional, um, academic system, even though it is like an art school, um, I was kind of like reintroduced to competition, I guess. And I find it to be really toxic and Mm -hmm. I find it, it really is, can be very harmful, um, to like not just the relationships between people but I think also like this idea amongst artists that that there is some kind of like zero-sum game that they're competing in which you know in sports it's like yeah you are actually competing um and you know like you're playing a game and of course like the game metaphor is a very helpful metaphor for a lot of things like dating and your career and like whatever but you know, at the end of the day, I think the the art community that I'm interested in, like, building through my work and kind of lifting up is one that values people and, and also sees people valuing themselves more, like, in a kind of internal reflective way than, like, an outwardly competitive way, because mm-hmm. I do think that it's ridiculous, like, the idea the idea of like you know a painter being competitive with another painter when they're I don't know it's like how could a a painting like fight um with another painting or something or kind of how do you like make a value judgment when you look at a painting like about I don't know it's like you can evaluate I think whether you like that painting but then I think when you are, if you were to kind of get comparative in that way, I just don't, I don't see how that's like helpful um, to the way that you think about art. Right. So I think that within a, w- within sports, there is a sort of, within many sports, there's sort of a defined way to go about being the best or, um, yeah, just getting to the top. And I think that that is much less clear within fine arts if that makes sense yeah Uh, of course I mean you know for me I feel like 
I think like that, you know, the idea of like the kind of solo successful individual artist who's like blue chip, whatever to me, I think is, can be very, like I said, I think that that's kind of like, uh, you know, not a hundred percent, but it's pretty much a myth. It's generally not how people's careers work, even when they are really faint, like when they become really successful or famous, no one kind of does that in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can approach the art world. And I feel like when you kind of focus in on that one aspect that isn't really even very like realistic, um, I think it's, I, you know, in my career, I've worked with a lot of younger artists and I just see them kind of become like obsessed with these tropes. And I just think that they kind of, they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, it can be really damaging for, for young artists, unfortunately. So I try to kind of like spread that gospel <laughs> a little bit yeah. in the world, even though I think most people think that I'm like uh, out of touch, maybe. <laughs> and how do you, when you say that people might think you're out of touch, how does that, how does that come up? <laughs> Um, well, you know, I mean, our young artists, like, they, it's funny, because I think, you know, the things that artists, I think, really want to know are, like, often don't get taught in school, which kind of made me an interesting parallel to athletics as well, because they're always kind of this, like, tertiary thing in your academic, like, life, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, young artists want to know, like, how to, like, quote, unquote, play the game, and, like, they want to know how do you get a gallery into your studio? How do you get a studio visit? How do you get a solo show? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that it, you know, the, the way that value and taste and all these other things kind of like the way that they uh, like arrange themselves in the art world to kind of contribute or like spur someone's career and success happen in so many different ways mm-hmm. yes and people take so many kind of paths um to like live their lives as artists and you know a lot of like the most successful artists that we think of you know didn't like didn't have their you know their first ever solo show till they were like in their 40s or like right. their late 30s and so you know a lot of young artists who are like coming out of you know and they're like 21 or 22 or kind of like how do I do this thing I need to do it now and it's like uh nobody like taught you about career development and no one Mm -hmm. really talks about it whereas like I will say you know that is like one detail I find so fascinating about sports is like career development is so it's such a kind of focused on aspect like the draft and college basketball and like that kind of stuff, you know, you're really like tracking an artist and it's a very, and, or like an athlete and it's a very linear progression. It's like a very linear way to operate in the world. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, it's like, we've already chosen to be an artist. It's already like a very strange and winding and like circuitous path. Um, or at least that's what I've found in my own life. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's not like one like direct path to get there. And I think that that is maybe something that, I don't know. I just wish people were more kind of generous to themselves in that way. Because I just think they would make better and more compelling work if that were the case. 
Right, when you are operating from a place of trying to think about what someone wants to hang in their living room or how to sort of sell your work, it's it might lead to less discovery. Yeah. Within that. Yeah. I um, would say that yeah. that's true. I mean, you know, not always, of course, nothing sure. is like absolute. But yeah, that's the th- that's definitely the thesis I'm putting out there. <laughs> Great. Well, I, I think it's also interesting because there is a discussion around how basketball players, at least, and I think this is true of football players too, like when they leave college and they start making millions of dollars, that there isn't always a great safety net for showing them how to manage that amount of money um, coming out of college. So, yeah, this like the career development aspect isn't always so clear on what what is best for you long term versus like what can what's great right now well yeah I mean nobody likes to talk about money that's like the real that's the real I mean yeah like people like to be like oh yeah this person was signed for like 30 million dollars or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know then you kind of see the oh there's like such actually there's such a good um 30 for 30 is that what that series is called yeah on ESPN yeah there's like an amazing 30 for 30 about like it it's just basically like about economics yeah Um, I've seen that one I think that one's specifically about the NFL and it kind of is like you know for every person who has like a 30 million dollar contract there are people who are making like uh I don't know like a reasonable amount of money Mm -hmm. like $250,000 a year as a professional football player and how difficult a financial position they can, you know, they find them, they can like find themselves in. Right. Which is just like, you know, crazy how unsustainable it is to be an artist. Like in terms of like your, you know, how much you have to invest in your career and, and the, the certainty of your return on that investment is like never. Yeah. There's no certainty. Yeah. This does not exist. I don't think. Um, yeah. Which I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that that is the certainty of the reward or the investment of the work being returned can also sometimes sort of apply to sports in the sense that so much is, riding on your performance and on your body's ability to keep up with that, that you, there's just so many ways that things could could not work out, which is why you maybe sign a contract. But just within the, wor- the world of college sports, when you could be dropped from the team if you're not able to perform at a certain level or if you break an arm or whatever it is. So I think that that's also, yeah, that's just something to think about. Um, well, and in a sense. it's funny, actually, you just reminded me of, cause I know, uh, we were, I know like talking about different artists that we were interested in who kind of like deal with sports and, you know, because of like the, the nature of, um, you know, the nature of the battle sports podcast, mm-hmm. I get it. I, I kind of like just enjoy interviewing artists who deal with sports because I like to kind of contradict ourselves through our own podcast yeah. um, <laughs> but there's but you actually just reminded me of a story of an artist who is actually a friend of mine um and is like 
is like a, a really great artist. Like their work is so interesting. It actually, it doesn't really have to do with sports. It has to do with um, more like architecture generally mm-hmm. and kind of like designed objects and like uh, this artist kind of makes these sculptures that are really like they have hinges, but the hinges like don't work and they're kind of like purposely useless in this way that's really funny. But anyway, um, his name is Paul Urshan. He's like a sculptor and a printmaker and painter. Um, but he was a like I guess semi professional or professional um baseball player mm-hmm. before he became an artist, but he actually suffered like a really bad um, back injury, I believe that took him, that kind of like changed the whole, you know, the whole path of his life. Yeah. Which is such, yeah, like I must be such a scary thing for, I don't know, like (laughs) I imagine it's scary for anyone and everyone, but particularly like athletes who use their bodies. Yes, and I, I think that there, there's a huge risk involved in what you're choosing to do uh, with your body and the position that you might be putting it in, I think especially in football on a game-to-game basis. Um, in basketball and baseball, I feel like there's maybe sl- slightly, I would say maybe more than slightly, uh, less of a risk but you mean just because of like the concussion thing yeah and just like the sort of brutality of it all but then in basketball I mean there's less force but they're they're also not as protected and Uh, they're just pushing their body so hard I would say but I don't know right totally talking about this is actually making me think of like the kind of other (laughs) athletes not necessarily like sports athletes but you know, um, I work in a kind of really like interdisciplinary way. And I just kind of also have like a, uh, like personally, I have a broad interest in the arts and this part of our conversation is really reminding me of like all of the performers who, um, I've worked with and like particularly like professional dancers and how much this is kind of like, you know, a big part of their, of their lives and their livelihoods and their careers and stuff. Um, Especially like ballerinas and I don't know, my sister was into ice skating for a while actually. And like the, all those kind of worlds, which are really interesting in thinking about how they're kind of like, you know, their sport and art or like you couldn't really choose, I think like what they are. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just like another, another overlap like a more kind of I guess like organic overlap definitely and I would like to think that I when I'm making work or another artist is making work that there is maybe I mean in the traditional visual fine arts that there is not this risk of the body necessarily but there is a risk of your idea of 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 offering your idea and then waiting for this this feedback or this reception of it if you are trying to pursue a career as an artist. And that is something that I feel like there, there is a, a level of risk and it's, it's not the same as sports, but it's definitely built into each of them as kind of um, cultural forces. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I really do think that it is, like, you know, in some ways being an artist is one of the most, like, risky things that you could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even do it probably more because I'm afraid because it is so risky um, than, like, anything else you could possibly do. Yeah, it I feels think. that way, I think. <laughs> um, much of the time it feels like uh, just everything that anyone said to you when you were studying art about, well, where will this take you or how will you use it or what's this career going to look like? It's like totally plays out and it's really hard to fight back against that. Well, right. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of why when I do talk about art and interview people, I am always really interested in kind of having like a practical conversation about the different paths that people take because I, because I am interested in kind of like destigmatizing that mm-hmm. aspect of like of the art world or like the very, you know, the myriad art world. But, you know, I think there's also this thing too, where it's like, um, when you're thinking about like expressions of culture, it's funny because of course, like, you know, sport and art are both like two like manifestations of culture Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like when artists are thinking about sports, <laughs> um, these are maybe like not even, you know, the questions that they're really like interested in. Like, I feel like when I see artwork that like touches on sports as like content, I guess, or like inspiration, there's like kind of another like cultural political concern that's like being expressed through that thing yes I I do feel like by making work about sports you're accessing all of these this very rich cultural expression like you said for talking about other social issues um and sports are are a great way to get get to that point well and yeah even like I don't know, I guess, I don't know if there's a word for, like, having your expectation of something kind of, like, thrown into a different context. Like, um, I'm thinking about these paintings or, like, this series, actually, of paintings that I really, really love um, by a lo- an artist in local to Chicago um, mm-hmm. named Boyong Ho. And Bo is a painter. Um, and ran a, also ran a gallery for a, a while and um, does like print editions and stuff like that. Um, and Bo, I like first became aware of Bo's work because I saw his MFA show at the Art Institute and it was like a giant sculpture of a scoreboard, like a scoreboard, like the kind that hang in yeah. a stadium, um, but like dropped onto the ground. And then instead of like, you know, a big jumbo screen image, it was actually like a a uh, basically like a scaffolding for the rest of you know for the rest of the artwork mm-hmm. and so you know Bo is actually an artist and if you look up their work which I think everyone should because I enjoy it um, yeah it's really about form and like looking at basketball and kind of like the objects and implements around basketball to like think about shape and line and color um you know 
as these kind of like cult I guess like cultural artifacts that permeate like all spaces of culture even the ones that you like don't necessarily consider as like artistic or like beautiful I guess yes and do you know if he if he's also watches basketball or is this like something that oh yeah I like oh yeah this is like one of the artists who like I definitely watch uh basketball with okay yeah no he's like a fan and he I mean I don't want to speak for for him like too much um yeah I'll get him on the podcast another time he can speak for himself (laughs) no but yeah I mean like um he like is into um uh like sneakers Mm-hmm. you know he's like definitely not just like into yeah not just like into sports but I think like into like the whole kind of like culture yeah the scene yeah um exactly but yeah he um yeah he's the fun it's funny actually because that kind of also makes me think of another artist who I think I maybe mentioned to you before Ashley Teamer Mm-hmm. who like specifically her work a lot of her work is I mean it's a lot of it is about gender but it's also like often talking about gender through kind of like like I guess the scene but like specifically fashion yeah um, and like sneaker and like sneaker culture and kind of how that's like also this other layer that's like embedded into sports culture yeah, and, and I think, uh, I mean, has been for a long time, but becomes, I mean, just the the way that in the past few years, players arriving for games is a huge deal with what they're wearing. And that was not the case um, like 10 years ago. So I think that that has added to the, the scene around the game. I guess so, but I mean, I would also, I and also I think, uh it's something that's like always been there i mean i hate to like keep referencing 30 for 30 but it's just the best <laughs> you know they do not need a shout out they're doing um, fine <laughs> no they are doing fine but they it's not even it's really not about them it's more about um ice cube and like ice cube directs this film and he talked about kind of like the oakland how the oakland raiders logo mm-hmm. and um, like NWA and all these other groups kind of like that the relationship between like music and sports you yeah. know rap music and sports particularly and how that evolved so I mean I feel like that's always been there definitely like, the relationship between fashion kind of like crossing over or like crossing out of sports um and I mean I love I don't mean I don't know if I told you this but like yeah I love watching players like especially basketball players because I think that's maybe I don't know. I don't watch football. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I actually like super don't like the NFL. I'm like, I can tell how much I don't like the NFL because the only thing that like makes me interested in the NFL is Colin Kaepernick, and it seems like Colin Kaepernick makes NFL fans not like the NFL. Right. So I just yeah. So I can't really speak to football at all. But I love watching like Russell Westbrook walk into a game or like yeah uh, I mean I love watching Dwayne Wade walk into a game of course uh well and it just extends 
it extends the game. It makes the game bigger. It, it makes you think about before and after the game rather than just what happens on the court. And I appreciate that as well. Well, and also, I mean, uh, I just, from my own experience, Dwayne Wade and um, when LeBron James and Chris Bosh were all playing for Miami together, yeah, they also were just like really and I know this is you know I mean this is true of them separately but it's just at the time when I was living in Miami and they were all there they were so involved in the city Mm -hmm. um in a way that I feel like was really admirable and like really community-based and I don't know it's funny actually I guess that's like something that kind of irks me about the art world is that it kind of like is uh, it's more interest or like the kind of upper echelons of the art world I think are more interested in like a an international perspective um, mm-hmm. than like uh, you know than a local perspective like I feel like in the art world we talk about provincialness you know yeah like small towns and whatever and kind of really like prioritize more urban areas over like smaller small yeah. towns and stuff like that but when you have a sports team, it's kind of like, you know, the people who are really supporting them are their fans, and their fans are primarily people who live in the place where they play. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, are kind of forced, I guess, in a way to, like, be accountable to those people, almost like a politician would be, or something. You would want a politician sure. to be, which yeah. is not always the case. It's like, let's put an asterisk by that. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like artists don't necessarily maybe kind of or you know I think that that's like another thing that can kind of be lost if you're thinking about the artist as like this kind of individual um like monolithic figure right and that if you are a successful artist most likely you're getting opportunities where you live but also far far from where you where your home is um whereas athletes are a little bit more tied their home crowd and their home base yeah totally and you know I do think there of course like that's not to say that there aren't artists who are really invested in the cities where they're from and work really hard to kind of like make those spaces better Mm -hmm. um like I actually think Ashley Seamer who is this you know I don't know when this part is coming out but she actually I believe has a show up at a Lower East Side gallery called Larry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ashley Teamer or Teamer, Teamer's paintings are like um, really cool, really interesting. Like I said, these like images that deal with basketball and they also deal with kind of sports images and fashion and gender and they're really like layered and kind of like collage Um But Teamer, like as an artist and as a person, I think is like super invested in the place where they're from and like where they live in New Orleans and are really kind of like, um, you know, very present in terms of like collaborating with other artists there and really like doing, you know, doing interesting work and building interesting kind of building an interesting art scene outside of like our maybe like a more traditional, traditionally considered art centers. Right. Which, you know, as I'm not from New York, I, like, don't really, I don't, I don't pray at the altar of New York City. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that's a, um, well, yeah, that's a tricky one because there are a lot of opportunities there, but also um, aspects of it that make it really difficult for anyone who's not really established to survive. Uh, sure, yeah. What's happening? And I mean, you know, I don't hate, I don't hate New York. I just, you know, I run a regional, I run a regional arts podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just funny because, you know, we're very insistent that people actually come to us to kind of participate in the show. Yeah. And that's like a big, a big part of our, big part of our team. Right. The way our you know, big part of the way that we approach the project is really trying to focus on on the things that are like outside of the outside of like the more kind of concentrated centers, mm-hmm. which is fun. For, you totally. know, and I mean, it's, it's like yeah, before people attention. go to New York. <laughs> yeah, and so there was something that came up in one of the episodes a couple of weeks ago that I was thinking about in relation to sports and my own sort of appreciation for athletes as kind of creatives. And it was, you had been visiting, it came up in conversation with an artist from Kansas City, but you had been visiting a gallery or museum in in Detroit. And the conversation was, was sort of turned into a discussion of who gets to decide what art is is what I understood from it. And I was wondering if we could just talk about that a little bit and your experience there and how that kind of informs your relationship to the artists that you interview and, and the art that you love. Yeah. I mean, um, sorry, my sister just, I feel like I'm like that reporter who his little baby came into. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) I can't no, see sorry. her. Don't worry. <laughs> totally. Um, no, yeah. Uh, Detroit. Well, so I was in Detroit because of uh, a residency that I was actually doing through Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, through, I guess not Red Bull, like the beverage. I guess also the beverage, but Red Bull Arts. <laughs> yeah. Um, which has a very interesting program. And so I was in residence there and I kind of was like, really more like scouting Detroit um, and kind of just trying to get to know what the, what the art scene there is like and what people are like there. And, you know, I don't know, try to get like smacked in the face with something really interesting and um, just travel around a bunch, which was kind of difficult because there was a snowstorm mm-hmm. happening when I was there. Um and so, yeah, Olami Dobbles is an artist that I met and I had kind of, I had read about his space um, through another, another writer that I like and follow, had visited Detroit and wrote about him for our paper. And so I was like, okay, I got to go see this guy. And because, uh, because it was so snowy, actually, I was basically at this, like, kind of outside open field art installation um totally alone Mm, yeah and it was just like covered in snow um it was really surreal and then uh I went inside the museum portion 
which is kind of like a museum and a store. Um, and Dobbles, who is like the creator of all the work, although I can't imagine that he, I you know, he definitely has had help. Um, and he has like worked on this installation kind of over, I think, like 25 years, I want to say. Um, so yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty amazing to see an experience. And then the store is relatively small and it's like totally covered in these um, beads, these like African beads that are from everywhere, seemingly. Um, and then, yeah, Dobbles is kind of, he's an interesting figure. I don't know. I, uh, the, that thing that you brought up, I do think is a, is a really interesting question. And I think Dobbles is someone who it's hard. I mean, it's hard to talk about him. I don't want to say, I don't want to like misquote him because I feel like he's the type of person that would come back at me. Um, <laughs> Clap <hard>. back. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Um, but, you know, I think that the thing that I really took away from that, from what he said, and then it, and it really resonated when I was interviewing Gary Nolan, um, you know, is that a lot of artists and a lot of people don't really stop to think about the systems of meaning that are controlling the way that we understand the world around us and even things that we ourselves do. Mm -hmm. um, which is, <laughs> I don't know, a pretty deep way to like consider your life. And so I, and, and I think a really compelling, you know, compelling question that you could ask yourself, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Where is this coming from? What is like the impetus for this work? How do I understand what this is? Um, but, you know, I think the, the thing about being an athlete is that it's very straightforward and practical and there is an answer and there is like a winner and a loser mm -hmm. and the thing about being an artist is that the rules of engagement are much more confusing and opaque and like um and so it's really hard to kind of navigate in that space where meaning is opaque and success is opaque and you know the kind of rules of engagement are very opaque Right. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, as an artist, Sobbles doesn't necessarily, you know, it's, I don't want to say that he like, that really nobody could live up to kind of the divine inspiration of like, just being a conduit for like your ancestors. You know, I think that like you live in the world and like you, make decisions based on just practical, practical realities of your world. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's not, so all of that is to say that it's not like Dobbles is like a separatist. Like I wouldn't call him like an outsider in any way, shape or form. Um, and I think that that's why when Gary Nolan kind of brought up that idea, it was really interesting because Gary Nolan is such like a veteran of mm -hmm. the art scene and kind of the contemporary art world who really had his, um, you know, in the context of that interview, he had moved to LA and really had his eyes open by kind of like a shift 
you know, a geographical shift kind of led to like a perceptional shift. Yeah. Um, which all became very interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's like the the best thing about art really at the end of the day is that there are no rules. And in some ways it's like also, you know, ex- an extremely scary thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like for, I don't know, I suspect that for people like me and other artists and people engaged in the art world, um, the experience of sports can be very chill and relaxing. Because um, it's so straightforward? Yeah, because it's straightforward. Like, I love going to yoga. Like, you go to yoga, you do the thing, you connect with your body, it's done. You, like, experience the outcome of it almost instantaneously. Yeah. Um, you know, doing, like, discrete tasks that have an ending when, like, your life is kind you know, because I consider, like, if you're an artist, I feel like your whole life is practice. Everything you're doing is, like, practice. Um, From, like, the way you dress to your sleep patterns to how you eat, it's all, like, you know, like, Adrian Piper or something. It's all a part of, like, right. the work. it's all contributing. Um, But that can be a very, like, in, you know, that can be a very intense kind of, like, date in terms of, I think, like, your you know, just your experience of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, you know, I guess that's like why I watch the Super Bowl with my friends, even though I'm like pretty anti NFL. Well, thank you so much for, for making this time. And I'm so glad we, we got to talk. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.